is to you, my son. The priest studied the stranger's face. It was wizened, gaunt almost to the point of ghoulishness. How far had he wandered in this state? In a cracked voice, the man muttered something. Omnis, qui bibit hank aquum. Father Pascal realized with amazement that the man was speaking to him in Latin. Water, he asked. You want some water? The man went on mumbling, staring at him with wild eyes, clawing at his sleeve. Sifidem adit salvus erit. Pascal frowned. Something about faith? Salvation? He's talking nonsense, he thought. The poor soul was deranged. Then the lightning flashed again, almost directly overhead, and as the thunder roared an instant later, he saw with a start that the man's bloody fingers were wrapped tightly around the hilt of a knife. It was a knife like no other he'd ever seen, a cruciform dagger with an ornate gold hilt set with glittering jewels. The long, slim blade was dripping with blood. It was then that the priest understood what the stranger had done to himself. He'd carved these wounds into his own flesh. What have you done? Father Pascal's mind swam with horror. The stranger watched him, rising to his knees, his bloody, mud-streaked face suddenly lit up by another flash of lightning. His eyes were empty, lost, as though his mind was in some other place. He fingered the ornate weapon. For a few moments, Pascal Cambriel was quite convinced that this man was going to kill him. So here it was at last. Death. What would it bring? Some kind of continued existence? He was sure about that, even though its exact nature was unclear to him. He'd often wondered how he would face death when the time came. He'd hoped that his deep religious faith would prepare him to meet whatever end God intended for him with serenity and composure. Now, though, the prospect of that cold steel sinking into his flesh turned his legs to water. In that moment, when there was no longer any doubt in his mind that he was going to die, he thought about how he'd be remembered. Had he been a good man? Had his been a worthy life? Lord, give me strength. The madman stared in rapt fascination at the dagger in his hand and back at the helpless priest, and he began to laugh, a low, gurgling cackle that rose up to a hysterical shriek. Igni! Natura! Renovatur Integra! He screamed the words over and over again, and Pascal Cambriel watched in terror as he started feverishly slicing the blade into his own neck. Chapter 2 Somewhere near Cadiz, southern Spain, September 2007 Ben Hope dropped from the wall and landed silently on his feet inside the courtyard. He stood, crouched for a moment, in the dark. All he could hear was the rasping chirp of crickets, the call of some night bird disturbed by his approach through the woods, and the controlled beat of his heart. He peeled back the tight black sleeve of his combat jacket, 4.34am. He did a last press check of the 9mm browning, making sure there was a round in the chamber and that the pistol was ready for action. He quietly clicked the safety on and holstered it. 
took the black ski mask from his pocket and pulled it over his head. The semi-derelict house was in darkness. Following the plan given to him by his informant, Ben skirted the wall, half expecting a sudden blaze of security lights that never came. He reached the rear entrance. Everything was as he'd been told. The lock on the door put up little resistance, and after a few seconds he crept inside. He followed a darkened corridor, went through a room, and then another, the thin light beam from his pistol-mounted compact LED torch picking out mouldy walls and rotten floorboards, heaps of garbage on the floor. He came to the door that was shut from the outside with a padlock and hasp. When he shone his light on the lock, he saw it was an amateur job. The hasp was only screwed into the worm-eaten wood. In under a minute, working in silence, he had the lock off the door and went inside, slowly and cautiously, so as not to alarm the sleeping boy. The 11-year-old Julian Sanchez stirred.